0: It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, with certified financial planners Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money
1: Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the Certified Financial Planners right here at Corhorn Financial Group with me in the KFG studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory.
2: So as you may know, the Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement Act, also known as the SECURE Act, introduced the 10-Year Rule for Withdrawing inherited retirement accounts and it represents a significant tax increase potentially to many beneficiaries. So how can you plan ahead, plan around, plan through this new rule? We're hitting that and much more in this episode. No one knows that. No one knows what you just said, the
1: Secure Act. The and acronym? What what absolute garbage. That's garbage on fire that you would say that, setting every community up for Great retirement, whatever, and then talk about the tax increases. We're going to help you with it today, though. We're
2: going to help you stomp that uh, garbage fire out.
1: Yeah. Plan for
2: it. And I have to be careful. I mean, you say tax increase and... I would say it's tax consolidation. So Think of an accordion. <laughs> Scott Anson used to play the accordion, yep. as did my mother. But the, it, with the accordion, when it's it's out or it's in, they, they just took the accordion and squished it to I, 10 I years. I see what's going on today. So today I'm bad cop, you're good cop.
1: Usually it's reversed. <laughs> I'll be referee. Okay, thanks for being here. If you have a question, you can submit it a few different ways. Call or text 574 222 2000. That's 574 222 2000 online wisemoneyshow.com, submit questions right there on the right. And then wherever you're at on social media, we're there too. Submit questions that way as well. The SECURE Act, it seems like so long ago, but it was an enormous tax change. And then we've had $5 trillion of stimulus and all other sorts of tax changes that make the SECURE Act seem like child's play. But it, it did create a huge issue with taxation of retirement accounts. What is that? It's a 10-year rule. What What is it? Quickly explain it here before we get into helping you plan
2: for it. Well, it used to be if you had retirement accounts that you didn't use in your lifetime. So just let's just say you had a couple and just to use round numbers, they had a million dollars in their retirement accounts. The If the husband died, it goes to the wife and she has her lifetime to use that money and pretend she didn't use any of it, just use the earnings off of it. So she dies with a million dollars. It used to be that that money could be inherited by the children or the grandchildren or whomever, and they would have their lifetime to then pay taxes on that money.
1: Draw that money out. They could take it all out if they wanted to, but you got to claim it as income. So the, the deal was you could stretch it out. You could stretch your withdrawals out. Just take a minimum, a required minimum distribution every
2: single year and stretch it out. Yeah. That's where they came up with the uh, concept of the stretch IRA. There, so there you, you had, you had, you had two lives plus the subsequent lifetime. And now with your retirement dollars that you've never paid taxes on, you have two lives plus 10 years
0: period. Yeah. And that's a big deal because as you just said, and, and let's say this very crystal clear, if you inherit money that your parents didn't pay tax on during their lifetime in an IRA, you're going to pay tax on it. Correct. Right. And it used to be that you had your entire lifetime to, to pay it. Now you're squeezing that like an accordion. I once heard someone say Certainly. you're squeezing that down into less years, which uh, theoretically, you know, could translate into more tax because you've got more of that income falling into any one year. Um, I just made you both right. Hey, good. Uh, hey, how's hey, that? What a good arrest. See?
1: No, Hey, peacemaker. Hey. Uh, so, if you inherited from a non-spouse a million bucks, previously you got you, you could take it all out and pay all the tax on that uh, in one year, or you could stretch it all over all over your lifetime. Now you got ten years, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and just to be clear, that doesn't mean you've got to take. You have to take a million a year. No, you could take nothing. 500,000, nothing, 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 you know. It just, the account needs to be emptied in 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 after 10 and you, years. You
0: mean you don't have to take a 100 grand a year? You're, that's right? right, that's right. Okay, so it doesn't have to be evenly spread out. Right. You could take a chunk up front, you could take some, you know, three years later. It just has to be cleaned out, emptied by the end of that, that 10th year.
2: Which is an amazing planning opportunity because you could say, I'll just let it grow for 10 years planning on 10 years from now, tax rates being considerably lower than they are today.
1: You might be right. Or you might be wrong. We're very uh, wrong. Who knows? So, <laughs> so, But this, it does. It creates an enormous planning opportunity. Number one, to just be aware. But then now that you're aware, what can you do? Is there anything you can do to help manage this accordion tax issue, which is a tax increase? Um, the fr- We're going to talk about several different ideas. The first one we talk about a lot because it's a strategy that does help with this, but it helps
0: with a few, uh, several other things as well. That's the Roth conversion. Yeah, we, we, we give a lot of attention to this. It's a big deal. Um, essentially, a Roth conversion is you taking that traditional IRA money that you, perhaps you've never paid taxes on, and now you're prepaying the tax before you're even ready to use that money, maybe in retirement during your lifetime, maybe uh, before you pass it down to your kids. You're kind of paying the tax up front. At a time of your choosing, instead of when you have to pull the money out in chunks or when they inherit it. Um, it, it's you staying in the driver's seat on when you pay the taxes. Yeah. But moving money from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA, that is a taxable event. It may be a, a very favorable tax event if you're in a low tax bracket. But the the beauty is, as soon as the money is in the Roth IRA, now any growth that happens from that day moving forward is tax-free. That's right, and the more of that time that you give in the tax-free era, uh, the more powerful it is, and that's that's one of the reasons why we talk about it so highly. And
1: so then, when when your spouse inherits it, if you pass away, they don't have to pay tax. It's you know they can use it and withdraw it, and they don't have to pay tax. And then when when both you and your spouse pass away, and you pass it on to your kids, they still have to withdraw the account. I mean, they've got a certain amount of time to to empty the account but as they do so it's not taxable to them okay so this is the big issue that the secure act created you delayed you saved money pre-tax throughout your life and and got a tax deduction so maybe you avoided you know the 15% tax bracket way back when or the 25% tax bracket and you built up this big account pre-tax then your kids inherit it and because they now only have 10 years to pull it all out they pull it out and pay 35% tax on it. That's that's what you want to avoid. Mm-hmm. The Roth conversion is a way to do that because if you're looking at your situation saying, I'm in the 12% tax bracket and you know, when my kids inherit this, they might be in the 22, they might be in the 42 because tax rates might go up. I'm willing to prepay these taxes. I'm willing to be proactive here and pay the taxes on this so my kids don't have to in a rush. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is a... Creative, and I, I get the accordion, I I, I like to uh, just play and kid around, um, but it is a deceptive way to increase taxes. So what if Secure Act 2.0 comes out and they move it to five years, right? And so a Roth conversion puts you in the driver's seat because you control
2: when you're paying the tax on that. Sure and and everyone should have a strategy and i say if you're retiring today and you're 60 years old you should have a 40 year tax plan i think tax planning is one of the most important things a certified financial planner can help you with yeah. and again don't make the distinction between tax preparation and tax planning but as when you think about a roth ira there are two ways to get money into a roth ira one is a contribution which you can do every year and you've got a coupon for either 6000 or 7000 depending on your age and then the other is the conversion and that's taking money that you previously have not paid taxes on and converting it to the Roth IRA because the only way to get money into a the only money that can go into a Roth IRA is after tax money. Yeah. So that moving, that Roth conversion, moving an
1: IRA to a Roth, that is a taxable event. You're going to need, for, need to figure out how to withhold the taxes. That's not the only way to plan for this new 10-year rule in, in this SECURE Act. We've got other ideas coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corehorn Financial Group.
2: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Can your protection
1: plan help you with your tax plan? This is an interesting question. That is that is right at the root of why the Wise Money Show exists, why you need a comprehensive approach to your financial life. We're getting into it right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG Studios, Kevin Corhorn, and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search it, follow us there, like it, share the content, leave questions. All right, we're talking about the SECURE Act. Yeah, this huge tax change. That happened, I don't know, what, uh, 18 months ago? Not even? Mm-hmm. And it feels January, like... January, I think January of... 2020. And yeah. it feels like forever. But but it created... It, it removed the ability to do this stretch IRA, all right? And, uh, and now your non-spouse beneficiaries have to withdraw all of your pre-tax retirement accounts within 10 years. That could mean they pay higher tax rates than you avoided. Bad news. So how do you plan for that? We talked about the Roth conversions, one option. The second option is out there. it's out there. This is fringe, but I love it. It's creative financial planning, which is why you're here listening to the wise Money show. that's life insurance. Mm-hmm. How could life insurance
2: help with the ten year rule? Well, life insurance is a tool so let's just let's just break that down a little bit. Uh, when I started in nineteen ninety four life insurance. Cash value life insurance was in essence the Roth IRA because you used after tax dollars, you invested them, they grew tax deferred, and if you did it right, you pulled the money out tax-free. And that was a that was a good idea for people that were super healthy and could fund those policies appropriately. Super
1: healthy, had great
2: income. Right. And so in 1998, when the Roth IRA came out, even though you could only put $2,000 per year per person into the Roth IRA, it kind of, for a majority of the folks, it just kind of wiped that, that option right completely out.
1: Although for some financial professionals, they still strongly recommended it, tried to sell that, this idea, even though the Roth IRA, for many people, depending when you look at your their financial plan, the roth IRA was the better
2: choice sure yeah and the, but the roth IRA might not have been the better choice for the financial professional <laughs> so um i mean if you're a life insurance salesperson you're you're the solution is life insurance yeah. so to every problem right yeah, it is it's you are a you know you're a, a hammer and everything looks like a nail
1: but here's the issue <laughs> right so so those hammers uh, make it seem like, well, this is this is uh, life insurance could only be used in an abusive or manipulative way, and that's not true. It's a
2: tool, right? And the and the problem. Long ago was that even in 1994, they were using 1950 life expectancy tables instead of 1980 life expectancy tables. And you say, well, what does that even mean? It means in 1950, the life expectancy was shorter. If your life expectancy is shorter, you have fewer years to pay into a permanent policy and so your premiums would be more. And so as life as life expectancy, expectancy tables have changed, the insurance companies have been updating things. They've been a little bit slow to update these, but it has worked. So I would look and say life insurance has been and should continue to be an excellent tool, depending on a number of factors, but it should be an excellent tool to gain leverage, and the question is, do I need that leverage temporarily, or do I need that leverage on a permanent basis? And this this does make the case that you should at least consider, depending on your situation, because if you've got a couple million dollars in your retirement plan, you may want to consider life insurance as a way to leverage dollars to help pay the taxes. Yeah.
0: Well, okay, so you were hitting on some of the changes that have happened in life insurance itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll continue that history lesson and point to some of the changes that have happened in the tax laws. You know, you go back a ways, and it used to be that when someone passed away, their beneficiaries or their estate could get clobbered with taxes. Uh, the the tax hit with estate taxes, or you could think of these as death taxes, It used to be pretty significant. And the strategy was that life insurance could be used to essentially create some money at the time someone passes away to cover those taxes, much like you would cover a funeral or pay off a mortgage or something. Life insurance could pay the taxes. Well, we haven't had that problem for a long time because the the tax laws have become much more favorable uh, in the case of, of a death. But now, here we are, we're talking about the SECURE Act saying that it's squeezing the amount of time that your beneficiaries have to pay the taxes on IRAs, which means it could be more tax, which means that starts to feel a little bit like an estate tax or a death tax in a way. And so life insurance could be a strategy to create some some new resources to cover the taxes on some of these these distributions that your beneficiaries are going to have to take. So,
1: So then let's bring it down to the strategy because I think there's two. It's the, it's the basic one that Josh just mentioned. And I love, I mean, great explanation about how life insurance has been used for this estate liquidity to cover some estate costs, taxes. And this is one such thing, right? And so you could get life insurance to say, let's, Let's craft, let's figure out how much tax there might be for these beneficiaries when they have to do the accordion style with this IRA and pay a bunch of tax. And let's give them some, some tax-free money via life insurance to pay these taxes. Or you could do the uh, a, a more advanced part of this strategy. And that is, say I've got a million bucks and I've got one child. Okay, So when I pass and, and that's been one of my goals is i'd love to um to bless them with some inheritance dollars and and so i'm intentionally living below my what i could so that they inherit this well in the ira uh there's a million bucks i die child inherits it they've got to take it all out and that could likely mean they're going to pay more taxes so instead while i'm alive maybe i buy a million dollar life insurance policy premium is 15 grand a year. I don't know what it'd be, 20 grand a year. And I take 20 grand a year out of my IRA, out of that million. And I use that to pay for the life insurance. So over time, I'm pulling gains out or I'm pulling basis out or whatever. I'm pulling dollars out of my IRA to fund a life insurance policy. So now my child inherits the million dollar life insurance policy tax-free instead of just a million dollar IRA that they'd have to pay tax according to style on. Mm-hmm.
2: And it doesn't have to be that precise. There are a lot of different ways to do this because once once the game stops, there's basically a short squeeze on this on this money. <laughs> and so you you really you you really have to have a, a plan to say what is my plan for how do these taxes get paid? And it doesn't – because this is the interesting conversation I'll have with folks. They say, well, listen, um, I'm not worried about this – we're using the single child. I'm not worried about this single child. They, they're doing okay on their own, and uh, so let's not even worry about that. And I say, that's fine. We don't have to worry about the child. But let me give you two choices. Who do you like better, your child or the federal government? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, uh – like it's it should a jump not, ball it should not it should, <laughs> be, it should not take this yeah, long you should, it should not you not hesitated <laughs> you hesitated too
1: long yeah so so there's actually so there i i appreciate guys the uh everything that happened on the wise One show it's totally organic of course we have an idea of where we want to take the conversation but nothing nothing scripted here and i appreciate the the um the leading up to life insurance because it's been a um a tool that maybe has been oversold or yes, overused but it sure. is just a financial instrument to uh, to leverage dollars and leverage taxes do tax planning and the secure act may be a reason for you to consider whether it makes sense in your financial life few other things to consider to help with this new 10-year rule we've got that more coming up on the wise money show with core financial group
2: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
1: What are the other options you have to creatively plan for the new 10-year rule in the SECURE Act for uh, your non-spouse beneficiaries inheriting your pre-tax accounts? Wow, that sounds terrible. That sounds so geeky. I hope you... Hope you followed that. We're helping you with it right now. This is The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name's Mike Bernard in the KFC studio with me, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of The Wise Money Show is on podcast. Go check it out wherever you listen. Search The Wise Money Show and what is it now? Follow, like, I don't know. It's not subscribe anymore. I think it's Follow. Something. Not,
2: I thought it subscribed.
1: I don't think it's subscribe anymore. iTunes, they're changing everything. You know. Anyway, so just look us Game up. Rate, <laughs> rate us. Rate yes, us, yeah. do that too. We appreciate that. All right, we're talking about the ten year rule. If you don't know what that is, be sure to check out earlier segments. We explained it, but it's it's the uh, it's the big uh, t- change in the Secure Act. So we talked about. Uh, a few different ideas. What are some other ways to help manage this 10-year rule and the potential increased taxes?
2: Well, one of the ways to do it is just is to figure out, and again, I was talking about the 40-year tax plan, is to have a plan for all of the money that you've never paid taxes on that has an IOU attached to it. So you've got an account payable on that account. So then the question is, when should I pay what tax? And I'll give you an example. I mean, there we have clients in Michigan and depending on your age in Michigan, you don't pay state taxes on your retirement plans. And that was changed a few years ago. Thank you, Governor Schneider. Uh, and so that you do pay state taxes because what Michigan said is, listen, if you've got a boatload of money, just make sure you spend six months a year in Florida and you won't pay any state taxes (laughs) so so anyway there but there are folks that that and i've seen this where they've got a chunk of ira money and they're taking almost none of it out or taking only their required minimum distribution out and you say hey instead of just taking the required minimum distribution out why don't you take more to get you up against the top of a tax bracket that would that would make sense likely the 12% tax bracket. Mm-hmm. And if you've got two lives, if you've got a husband and wife, there's a lot more than, that you can take out and pay 12 cents on than if you have one. Mm-hmm. So I say, well, while you've got two, let's kind of maximize the amount of money that we pay 12% on, because if this money goes to your kids, the kids are likely, if the, the kids are doing well and they're in the 22% tax bracket, if you layer this money on, they're probably going to be in the 24, up into the 30s, who knows. So that's where you say, hey, pay, and if you live in Michigan and you're older, pay the taxes on this stuff and don't pay any state tax on it. Yeah. Because the kids, when they inherit it, they're definitely going to pay state tax on it.
0: Yeah, that's the power of doing Roth conversions and, and prepaying that tax so that your kids don't have to. I, I want to talk for a moment to those who are very charitably inclined. You know those who who get into retirement and the government. You're now at that age where you have to start pulling money out of your IRAs. We call those required minimum distributions. You you know it well because everyone's you know put the fear of God in you that if you miss those, the penalties are steep. Right, 50% penalty if you're if you're short on these required minimum distributions. And you still
1: have to pay the tax.
0: All right. that's right. Whew. So so don't mess that one up. But if you're in that mode and you're doing these required minimum distributions, there's now an opportunity for you to uh, take money out of your IRA and send it straight to your church or your alma mater or some other charitable organization and not have to count any of those charitable gifts as income on your tax return. That's very different than the old world where you instead had to pull the money out of the IRA, count it on your tax return, and then do a charitable gift and just hope that you're itemizing your deductions and you actually get a write-off for, for that charitable gift. There's no write-offs involved. You're just not even letting it land on your tax return. This strategy is, or this, this opportunity is called a Qualified Charitable Distribution, QCD. and. Um, what it does is it allows you to get the money out of out of the IRA without counting it on the tax return, and maybe frees up some capacity on your tax return to also do a Roth conversion. Then, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you're you're making room for more income on your tax return, and and basically combining strategies. This would be for someone who already plans on giving a certain amount of money anyway each year, and uh, you, you just have to have it go straight from your IRA to that charity. And there's, there's paperwork involved usually.
1: There's a little trick here because this the, your Roth conversion cannot count, cannot satisfy your RMD. Right. It, ca- it cannot count. You Once you're 72 and, and taking your RMD, you, your Roth conversions are above and beyond your required withdrawal. But this QCD does count. It can count towards your required minimum distribution. So absolutely. It's a game changer
2: and and I, I i was just working with some folks yesterday their required minimum distribution we're going to do two things with them we're going to do the qcd and we're also going to withhold and pay their federal and state taxes mm-hmm. so you you say that the rmd can have a certain purpose let's let's achieve that purpose the interesting thing is and i'm going to take a little risk by doing some math on the radio here Don't do it. Don't do but it. but they <laughs> they so they give about $30,000 a year to charity which meant their itemized deductions were $45,000 a year. I said, don't give that $30,000 a year to charity out of your checkbook. Give it directly from your IRA. Uh So if they give it directly from their IRA, they don't have enough to itemize. Perfect. That's right. We don't want them to because you take 30 off of that 45 that they were itemizing, now they're only at fifteen, but they get to claim 27.5. Yeah, I think that math is right. I double checked. But well, it, 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 here's the here's the throw the math out the window. The the big idea. <laughs> the, <concept>. the big <laughs> idea is give the money directly from the IRA to the charity, and it it is winner winner chicken dinner because if you don't do that. The IRA distribution is going to show up on the front page of your return, and then going into the jargon zone, it's a below-the-line deduction. So you do get credit on your federal tax return for that money you gave to the church, but you still pay state taxes on that money. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. As great as that big idea is, the better big idea, though, is the marrying together of your investment game plan – your tax game plan, and your retirement income game plan. This is why- Uh, I think that's what I just said. No, (laughs) you didn't say it very succinctly. Bad cop is bad. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here to correct you. Uh -uh. No, this is why your your financial professionals need to be collaborating. You yes. need to have a certified financial planner who's helping you to see all of these separate areas and pull them together into one strategy. They need to know what your charitable inclinations are. They need to know how much money you have to pull out of your retirement accounts. They need to know what tax bracket you're in. And, and help you formulate a plan that reduces your tax and still achieves the goals that are most important to you. So
2: for sure you need more than just a tax preparer, you need a tax planner. And think, what kind of planning am I getting? What kind of tax planning am I getting? If you're not, you need to seek it out. Find a planner, make sure that they're certified, make sure they're talking to the, your investment advisor, mm-hmm. who should be a fiduciary. So the, you want to, as you combine all of these things, your team needs to be talking to each other.
1: We talked a lot about the Roth IRA being a great tool for this, just did a video on Next Wise Step on the Wise Money Show during the week, a few weeks ago, about what types of investments are appropriate inside of a Roth IRA versus, you know, not appropriate inside of a Roth IRA. I mean, you've got to, all of these financial professionals need to be coordinated so that you're making a great choice in all six areas of your financial life speaking of another way to get around the 10-year rule is just be funding Roth IRAs for yourself instead of pre-tax if that makes sense in your situation we've got questions from fans of the show that more coming up on the wise money show with Corehorn financial group
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies.
1: Thanks for being here, friends. This is the Wise Money Show. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. If you've missed anything, every episode of The Wise Money Show is on the YouTube channel. Go check it out. Go to YouTube, search The Wise Money Show, and that one you can subscribe to. Yeah, so so Apple changed their podcast stuff to follow instead of subscribe. It's They're, they're trying to monetize stuff, but anyway. So follow us on Apple Podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube. There you go. Wise Money Show. Check it out. All right, we're into questions from fans of the show. If you—listen— the, the, the headliner topic for the show has been the Secure Act and tax law changes. And I tell you, if, if you missed any of that, go check it out on, on podcast or on YouTube or even on, online, thewisemoneyshow.com. Uh, go check it out. It, it's, it's, uh, it's very, very interesting stuff that we're all gonna be facing if you're funding a retirement account. All right, question here. Uh, my husband's grandfather just passed away. I'm sorry to hear that. Leaving his grandmother a widow. They are successful business owners, and now his grandmother, who was usually in charge of the finances, is left with a lot of money. What is the best way to bring up finances with her? She could really benefit from a CFP, but it's a hard subject because I'm um, her grandchild. Do you? They do have a succession plan for the business. Okay, that's that's helpful.
0: What a great question, and and what a delicate topic as well, since, as you're pointing out, there's a generational gap here, and some generations are very, very private about money. Mm -hmm. So you may need to tread very softly into this if you feel like maybe your grandmother uh, might need the help or whatever, and and you're convinced that she doesn't already have that in place. But I'd encourage you to approach it with as much empathy and maybe... Humility as well, because uh, we don't know the I don't know the name of um, who we're referring to here, but uh, you refer to your husband. So um, maybe you're putting yourself in your grandmother's shoes, because if your husband had passed away, maybe you've given thought to, boy, all of a sudden what we used to do together, it's all on my shoulders. Or what my husband used to cover with the finances, now I'm responsible for. And you know, there there are some husbands or wives who um, maybe do most of the delegating to their other spouse. And this is a this is a position of vulnerability. It's a it's an idea of stress sometimes when it does pop into their head. Boy, if my spouse was gone and I had to manage all of this on my own, I don't know what I would do without a guide along the way. And just putting yourself in that position maybe allows you to ask a question of your husband's grandma, um, you know, how is she handling that? Because she's living what you maybe have feared and uh, just asking her, do you have someone who's, who's helping you with these major decisions or, or are, are you in a position where you're, you're ready to take over that responsibility?
2: Yeah, I would be very, very careful. When I think of an analogy for this, I I think of landing a, and and a jet airplane on uh, an aircraft carrier, mm-hmm. and you gotta get it. You gotta get the approach just right, and you gotta get down on the deck, and you gotta attach, get the get the tail hook hooked in. Mm-hmm. And if you go on YouTube and look, you can see. Uh, a bunch of fails in in high seas and other things. I mean, this is this is treacherous stuff, and it's the same way with these family conversations. Yep. So if I were going to give you some advice, I would say, be very open in your questions with with grandma. And the only the only issue that I would have with what Joshua said is you. I wouldn't even suggest anything or even ask a specific question. I might approach and say, "Hey, Grandma, how are you doing with things? Um, is there anything that you need help with?"
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And just I would I would leave it that open. And if you've had a great experience working with a financial planner, you can say, "Well, if you ever need any help with any of the financial stuff that can be quite a burden." I know someone who could be really helpful. Um, but I, it's it's very. It's, it's, it's this very tricky thing to navigate because what, what could be interpreted as, hey, this person only cares about my money, yeah. which is couldn't be further from the truth, but that it, it could be interpreted that way. So you want to um, find a way and these are these are tough conversations. Most folks don't have them right. because mm-hmm. they're too afraid that they will end up in the ocean. Right, mm-hmm. they're 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 not going to get it on the deck. They're not going to get it landed. They're going to completely crash and burn. And so they don't do it. But I I would encourage you to enter the danger. Um, I w- whenever I have these types of conversations, I find myself praying and asking for wisdom before I have the conversation because these aren't these aren't fun and they can easily go wrong. And the tricky thing is like when finances go wrong. I mean, this is this. It could be years mm-hmm. of yeah. of. Uh, hurt feelings and mm-hmm. other things. I
1: mean, the, the, I, I, what a wonderful question. The reason you asked it, as the grandchild, is because you care. And I think I, I wouldn't add anything other anything to what Josh and Kevin said, other than make sure that that care, that empathy, comes out for sure. With with that aircraft analogy and then the danger zone, were you trying to make a top gun reference there? <laughs> Was that intentional? Because so your your wit is uh, sometimes hard to catch.
2: No, no, I I was not on the highway to the danger zone. (laughs)
1: Okay. All right. Next question uh, comes from a fan of the show, Steve, on the YouTube channel. So HSA contributions stop at a policyholder's 61st birthday, whether they're employed or not, question mark. Is there any case where then someone should decline Medicare Part A? I think not because you expose yourself to a big bill risk that can exceed what you'd put in your HSA. Lots of layers there, Steve. Mm -hmm. Let me take first crack at it. Um, HSA contributions, potentially, if you're still employed, you could continue to make make HSA contributions. You could. If you're still employed, you likely are not. If you're still employed and getting health benefits means you're full-time. And that likely means you have delayed Social Security because you're gonna let that grow and continue to grow eight percent a year so you're gonna you're gonna delay Social Security. Well, if you're not on Social Security, you're not automatically signed up for Medicare. You would actually have to go in and elect something and therefore you know go ahead and keep funding your HSA. yeah, a- absolutely. And because you've got um, group health insurance, you're not losing out on declining Medicare Part A and risking, you know, a huge bill, you've got group health insurance, just like you've had before. Nothing really changed with that. So this is more so a question of when does it make sense to get off the group plan and get onto a Medicare plan? Okay. And you've got to wait until you're eligible for sure, right? But then you also need to determine well, once I'm eligible, should I just stay on my group plan or not? So it's when you're eligible and also
0: when you're done working. And the HSA needs to play right into that. Okay, maybe you guys can set me straight on this because um, I I have foggy in my head that some employers, and maybe it's based on size of the employer, some can require that you sign up for at least Part A. um, and, And essentially... Uh, the group health insurance becomes second in line to pay for major medical expenses. It, it's almost like it becomes a Medicare supplement mm. type policy. Um, I, I feel like every time I encounter this, my first call is to one of our insurance advisors who specialize in, yeah. in Medicare products and everything, health insurance. Um, I, it's like, I don't bother to even lock that into my brain because I know straight who, who I would go to. But um but I, I'm wondering if there there may be Possibly. an issue there. Uh, but that's that may be a simple call also to an HR manager to just confirm, hey, I'm turning 65. Do I have to? Is there anything baked into our plan that would require me to sign up for Part A? But to your point, yeah. it's not necessarily going to happen automatically. No. Yeah, I mean,
2: Josh, you're making the point that we made earlier that your team needs to be talking. Yeah. So your health insurance professional needs to be talking to your tax planner who's talking to your investment planner who's talking to your certified financial planner because the HSA is a, is such a powerful tool. Now if you are have a group health plan through an employer with 20 employees or more, mm-hmm. then you don't have to enroll in Medicare right away. Yep. So but again, I I would not I don't think I would trust my hr i would i would try to get some information from my hr manager but i w- i would not trust them to help me plan
0: for sure yeah
2: i i would really work be working very closely with my certified financial planner with my tax planner with my health insurance uh, advisor
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah i i would only rely on them to point you to a proof source you know point you to the actual document that says how your group policy works, but I had 20 20 people in my head and I think there's another threshold even at 100 maybe, but this is is a very specialized, uh, unique area within the world of finances. And it's part of the reason why you need a certified financial planner who helps pull it all together, but they should have resources, they should have specialists at their fingertips, uh, you know, uh, that they can call up as needed to pull in their expertise for your benefit.
1: Collaborating professionals. Absolutely. I'm going to try and stump Josh and Kevin here. I'm going to go, guys, I'm going to go to the bottom of the list. Cece has asked several questions on the program before. Wonderful. Thanks for your listenership, Cece. And she she texted in, um, currently my fiance and I are able to max out our IRAs. Once we get married later this year, we'll be over the limit for income to max out IRAs. Should we make our individual max contributions in 2021 before we get married, or is that a problem? Hmm. What do you guys think?
2: Well, I think you're wrong, CC. In in love, you're 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 wrong because you you say, shouldn't get married.
1: You're you, wrong in love. No, no. Listen,
2: <laughs> get married. In get get married as soon as you possibly can, CC. But here's the deal. You're not going to be over the limit to max out an IRA. You're never over the limit to max out an IRA. Yeah. Anyone with any amount of income can max out an IRA. Now, how that IRA money is treated, whether it's deductible or not, that may be what you're referring to. But I think if if you each could do it as individuals, um, I w- I'd look closely at those numbers because I don't have those numbers right in front of me, but I'm going to say, is it is it twice for a... Uh, couple what it is for an individual
0: Josh no it's it's not just a normal doubling okay so basically what Kevin's referring to is uh, there are income limitations on who gets to write off an an IRA and um, and actually take a deduction and it's it's quite a bit higher for a, a joint return than it is individuals but it's not double so here's the
1: thing you're married that for that whole year even if you're married in july or whatever and so you can't fund your iras and then get married and get around those rules meet with your certified financial planner i'm certain there are other opportunities to leverage tax shelters in your situation That's all the time we have on behalf of Josh, Kevin, myself, all of us at KFG. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group.
2: Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Wealth Management, LLC, and Silver Oak Securities, Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.